It's time to reconnect at Gala's annual conference. Join Gala members and other industry professionals from around the globe in San Diego or online from April 24 to 27. Listeners of Localization Today get $100 off in-person registration and $25 off virtual registration by going to gala-global.org forward slash LTY. That's gala-global.org slash LTY. Gala Global. Expand your mind and your network. Offer expires April 18th. This is Localization Today, a podcast from Multilingual Media. Every week, we look back on the news from multilingual.com with a language industry specialist. What stood out? What are notable trends? How can we predict what is going to happen next? I am your host, Marjolein Groot-Nibbling, publisher of Multilingual Magazine. Jonathan Otis is a global business and corporate development executive. He spent the last 25 years in the enterprise IT space. J.O., as some may know him, has closed countless deals with enterprise corporations like Dell, EMC, HP, and IBM. He is a well-known matchmaker in the language industry's M&A field. What has been the most memorable deal that you have been involved with in your career? Wow. Well, I guess the right thing to say is the last deal I did is the most memorable deal. <laughs> and what was that? Well, I... Well, it'll be an interesting conversation with us today because I can talk about some details and some details I can't, Mm -hmm. but I was just pointing out that, you know, the, every deal is important and some of them are definitely more interesting than others. And some of them are more fun than others. And some of them might be more, you know, world changing than others, but you know, every deal is important and, you know, we treat every deal the same and, and every deal is different. So you never know what's going to happen in the M&A world. You never know what way one deal is going to go or another. It's it's matchmaking. It's making a marriage between buyers and sellers, between old companies mm-hmm. and new companies. You know, it's always very interesting. I've been lucky enough in my career that I've introduced a lot of technology to the marketplace. Um, and I think those are the best deals where you take little companies that have something super unique, super interesting, super new, and selling that to a big behemoth of a company that wants to do something new. Doing that integration, I find very exciting. And um, those are the better deals that I've done. You know, things that things that are on your phone, but were developed yeah. 30 years ago, but now every phone in the world has it. But yet 30 years ago, it was like, why and, and how much and how's it mm-hmm. going to work? And, and then, you know, all of a sudden, 30 years later, it's everywhere. And there's a lot of technology and language the same way that to some people, MT's brand new. They've, they're just talking about it. And to some, te- some people, MT's been around for 20 years. And been helping right. it for twenty years, so right. it's it's off it's often very much the same. But for you personally, can you share an anecdote with us that you are fond of thinking back on? <laughs> um, God, my I mean, I've been around a long time, and I've done a lot of deals, <laughs> and and um, uh, they've they've all been great. I mean, I've loved my career and everything I've done. There's no one that comes out and just hits me in the face because um, because that's the interesting thing about business is history is important but it's all about the future and mm. and you can't you can't dwell too much on the past because it, it while it does lead you to understand how the future may be it, it sometimes 
can be totally different. And so yeah. I, I, I would say the last one that I did that I think that I personally enjoyed was I worked very closely with Amazon Web Services on integrating new technology to provide new services for their customers. And mm -hmm. um, I helped them learn about certain kinds of technology they had no experience with, took a lot of younger uh, people new to the industry and taught them a lot about it. And they've implemented it worldwide now. And, um, you know, I was, I really enjoyed being the front side of that at the beginning and mm -hmm. super amount of fun. And what's fun is seeing the companies succeed with it going forward, yeah. you know, and, and that's a big part of my reward is just seeing all that success that happens from knowing that I put one plus one together and hopefully it equals three. Not just three. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, that's a nice way of looking at it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So just this past week, there was a lot of M&A activity and uh, Multilingual.com shared all of these following in the last five days, I'm, I believe. XDM International partners with Sistran, RWS acquires Lioness Holding, Boostlingo acquires Interpreter Intelligence and Voice Boxer, Akalad strengthens its status with the acquisition of Ubiquiti. Is it Ubicus? Ubicus, yeah. That that was an exciting one, and we had the dibs on that. So that was fun to uh, to know before the rest of the world did. And then Zoo India was launched with the acquisition of Vista India by Zoo Digital. They did mm -hmm. a similar thing two weeks ago with Zoo Korea. So to a layperson, it might be difficult to recognize which of these is the most impactful piece of M&A news and why. Can you shed some light on this? Well, I think I'd first say is that this is very indicative of a super strong marketplace. Mm -hmm. And the language services area is just super strong and growing. And the M&A activity is up dramatically over a couple of years ago for all the right reasons. The market's growing. The demands are growing. The use of technology is growing. And, and it just shows how strong this market is. It also shows that there's new investors in the market in that People, people want products more. And because people want more of these products, the companies that provide them have to strengthen themselves and expand. And this is one of the ways in which they expand. Mm -hmm. It's also important to realize that for every buyer, there's a seller. And there's a reason why companies sell. And there's lots of different reasons. I'm not going to go into all of them. But it's important to kind of understand that these companies want to get bought. There's not just buyers who mm -hmm. want to buy them, but the sellers want to get sold. Um, that's a normal part of a company's life cycle, especially some of these smaller ones who've developed the technology, proven it, um, but they might not have the horsepower to market it around the world. And then you've got right. a, a big company who, you know, is specializing in a certain area or has a lot of market reach, wants to supply products, more products to the same customers, find new customers. They're making acquisitions as well. Yeah. So each of these individually has their own reasons why. Um, and we can talk about some of them. But, you know, as a whole, you know, the, the uptick in M&A activity just shows how strong the market is. And I don't think that's going to slow down much. But out of these, what would be the one that you would pick to talk about which, you know, drives your enthusiasm? I would think people know RWS. That might initially seem like the most interesting piece of information, but possibly it's the Aqualad. Well, certainly, uh, acquisition on, on of size, certainly on the size of the transaction, the Akalad blows away all the rest of these. It does. Ubiquis was a large company, offices around the world, probably, you know, hundreds of employees, 
thousands yeah. of customers. Um, and, you know, a very strong company was grown by a really strong CEO. And, you know, it's move into Akalad is really going to change the way Akalad works, both expanding a lot in certain areas and mm-hmm. then doubling down in other areas where they can continue to provide stuff. But from a transaction size, that one dwarfed all the other ones on this page. Okay. And last year, Akalad also merged with Amplexer, correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And a lot of the same reasons. I mean, we had companies that are doing very well and, and you know, probably all trying to cross the chasm. And so them all joining up into something that's very large um, mm-hmm. is always interesting. As we call this consolidated consolidation. So this mm-hmm. industry consolidation is going to continue. The, as the big boys want to get bigger, they have to acquire companies. That's usually the easiest way for them to grow, both in terms of customers and in terms of talent. I mean, having the right people to do right. the work. This is the other thing we have to realize is you can't get a lot of new customers without having a lot of new employees to help those new customers. Yeah. And, and a lot of times they'll do acquisitions for, you know, if you remember, it's always for the three reasons. They buy them for customers. They buy them for the people that work there and they buy them for technology. And, you know, buying them for people to work there is often about scale and adding scale to an organization as well as adding expertise. Yeah. You know, RWS is a big company. They have a lot of specialties within them. Um, They've been very strong IP provider, IP services provider. So not just translating patents and legal filings and things, but but filing them in all the different countries for people. So Mm. you want to have a patent in 100 countries. Oftentimes you have to file it in many of those countries and RWS has services where they actually go and do the filings for you. And I think this acquisition was strengthening that IP business for them. Um, yeah, they've been looking for companies like that for years. And, um, you know, that's a good business for them. They do a great job for their customers. And so I think that one really just helps them expand and solidify their place in the IP space. Yeah. And, and talking about RWS, they did not report the numbers many were expecting in 2021 last year after you know they merged with SDL do you think they can reach that 1 billion revenue mark that so far only transperfect has reached in the language industry space oh certainly they can i mean this year oh uh, i don't i haven't studied the numbers as closely to say that this year they'll do it but there's no doubt that they'll get there. I mean, they took two big yeah. companies and put them together. They did something very interesting. They really re-engineered the company from top to bottom. And that re-engineering takes time. It um, moved mm-hmm. a lot of people around. There was a lot of turnover of, of people within the organization. That kind of time slows things down a little. I think, you know, you have to understand the reasons why they went together in the first place to, to really look at that. But um, in terms of stoking the fire and getting the machine moving, you know, there's no doubt they do a great job. Their customers like them. You know, they've got new CEO, new CFO, new technology people. I mean, there's a lot of new people in there and they've all got to get the machine running mm-hmm. 100% or 110% to really start moving it again. And I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen. So when you're involved with a merger or acquisition, how deeply do you get involved or do your efforts get into that restructuring, into the internal culture, or does it at all? Or are you only working with the C-level people and the numbers? What do you really do? I mean, I kind of imagine you as some some sort of mediator. That, that's um, right. I mean, our, our involvement in selling a company is really about the strategy. It does get into the personality of the companies, yeah. and it involves really the strategy of putting them together. Sort of this one plus one equals three discussion is super mm-hmm. important. 
because everybody's looking for more than than what's their face value. So we do get involved in potentially where the companies are going to go. But they normally manage their own integration once they've gotten together. Um, but they do spend a fair amount of time up front thinking about it, talking about it, because they want to get rolling right away. And it's always interesting. I think big companies like RWS and SDL, that's a more difficult integration to do because part of the goal there was to do a massive cost reduction by bringing them together. Mm -hmm. So that cost reduction takes time and studying and Mm -hmm. who are the best people and where should they be? Um, Because the the biggest cost in this industry is people costs. So when you're going to do a big cost reduction, it's usually about getting rid of people and you just can't take a piece of paper and just go left and right, left and right and be done. You really have to understand the people behind it and the customers and and who's doing the right job where. And um, it does take a lot of time, but we do spend a lot of time strategizing that, thinking about it. Um, At NIMSI, we do a lot of due diligence work for these deals. We do a lot of interviewing with people to understand their roles, their responsibilities and what they think. A lot of employees, both at the top, but also down low, have good ideas about where companies should go and what they should be doing. So we do try to bring all that to the table. Some of that happens as part of the M&A process. Some of that happens right after that, um, the tail end of the diligence process. So can we kind of imagine you as a real estate agent and you help selling or buying the house, but you got to move your own shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You do have to move your own shit, but we might know the best moving company. We might know the best plumber. Uh, right. We might know the uh-huh. best electrician. You know, we can help with that too. Okay. Okay. Excellent. So uh, this has been an exciting first quarter of 2022. How do you feel it really compares to the first quarter of 2021 and 2020? And is the first quarter traditionally one with high activity in M&A or is it the last quarter? Because I do recall last year's last quarter was also extremely busy. Yeah, I think the business was indicative of the marketplace and where we are in the pandemic and, and things like that. It is busier than years prior, basically because people have done so well in the last year. And the industry as a whole, I think, did better last year than we expected it to do. Why? Just demand, pent-up demand. I think both pent-up demand for companies that had slowed down and sent their people home and started bringing them back and started wanting to reinvigorate things. Mm-hmm. I think it also just the overall growth in the marketplace and the economy and growth in the world in terms of how more global it's getting. I mean, 10 years ago, a company might do five or six languages. Now a company does 10, 15, 20 languages, and big ones are doing 30 languages. That yeah. wasn't true 10 years ago. It wasn't through five years ago. And that's changing dramatically. We mm-hmm. we know that five years from now, 10 years from now, half the customers that an LSP will have are companies that didn't even don't even exist today. And so wow. things change and those companies will mature much faster than companies had in the past. And that all demands more services. And, you know, 5G is going to make a big difference. 5G is about moving more data faster. As 5G takes over around the world, we're going to see huge demands. And we're going to see huge demands for technology. And that demand for technology will drive demand for more people in the industry. So I don't see the industry shrinking. We see Mm -hmm. continually moving resources, human and technology resources in different ways. But as a whole, it's just still growing like crazy. I think last the last quarter of last year was very strong for this reason, pent up yeah. demand, money that needed to be spent, customers right. that wanted things. I think that continued into the first quarter. I've been talking to some customers 
that seems to be continuing strongly through the first quarter. And they think the first half of the year is going to be really strong. Mm. I think it just points to that this year is going to be a killer year for the market, for the industry. I think it's going to grow faster than it's ever grown this last year. And well, I hope so. Realize that inflation's coming. Inflation means pricing is going up. Yeah. That means LSPs are going to try to charge more for what they're doing, and they will charge more, and their customers mm-hmm. will pay more. And of course, that adds to a volumetric growth too. About revenues going up, part of it will be going up from inflation. So yeah. that puts more money out there to use and play with and and stuff. So, yeah. Uh- that all sounds very promising and very exciting. Uh, um, it's a it's a wonderful time to be part of the language industry. Yes. Now, I have a really specific question for you on the news about XDM International partnering with Sistran. I put it in the list here because it is a collaboration, but what is the real difference between companies partnering versus a merger? I guess you could talk about it. A merger and an acquisition are pretty much the same, where control of the company is going to move in some way. It could A merger is really where two companies go together and they decide to become one. And mm-hmm. they, they might not actually get paid or they might or might not get paid for merging, but they merge their operations. They now each own 50% of the whole thing. Instead of owning mm-hmm. all of themselves, they own 50% of the whole thing. And they share that going forward. They share the wealth of that going forward. Mm-hmm. In an acquisition... One company buys another company, they pay money for that, and then they own everything. And then partnerships are a whole different animal because partnerships are really about, as you use the word collaboration, but there's really no change in ownership, no change in management. It's a really a go-to-market issue. So in, in a sense, a partnership is Safeway selling Coca-Cola. You know, and they get together and they do a whole bunch of marketing together. And then, you know, Coca-Cola advertises it and then you go to Safeway to buy it. Well, that's a partnership. Right. In this case, you have the same thing with XTM with a super strong TMS going out to more mm-hmm. and more customers. Sistran with better and better MT coming all the time and partnering together, going to customers and selling together the combination of this TMS and this MT is what you need. This also might mean that XTM actually sells Sistran services. You know, there could be some revenue sharing going on between people when they do partnering like this. But yeah. the initial part is really, we all have joint customers. They each, they want to seem to want our products together. So let's go sell it together. Yeah. And that's what the, the high level definition of partnering is. It can take yeah. all sorts of different forms and different things. As I said, like one could resell the other one, one could pay commissions, they could just do marketing, all sorts of things. I could imagine joint marketing being a real nice benefit mm-hmm. and the ability to just walk away if it turns out it doesn't work. But a downside might be that you're dealing with two different controlling bodies, right? You have you have Sistran still controlling its own operations, XTM mm-hmm. still controlling its own operations. They all do upgrades independent of each other. Mm-hmm. That all needs to match up. So what are some other upsides or downsides to partnering versus merging well, it's really about the customer it's they're doing this to ultimately sell more product but what they're trying to show is to customers a single face to the customer because what the customer doesn't like is that he says okay i need a new tms and this tms needs to have mt and so they're out there looking at the marketplace 
And pretty much everyone's PMS works with everybody else's MT. That's the, the real thing right now is people are looking at very flexible platforms. And XTM is a super flexible platform that can hook up to lots of other different products. And they like that because that gives them flexibility. It gives them freedom to go get something else later if they don't like what they buy initially. But it also comes down to how support operates and who and, and when something doesn't work, who's going to come and fix it? Who's going to figure out what's wrong first? And then who's going to come and fix it? And a lot of the partnering are to make the customer experience better. Um, because yeah. the experience is about using the two products together, not separately. And you're absolutely right about each one owns their products independently. And they're going to keep maturing those products independently. But from a user or buyer standpoint, they're buying one thing. They're buying a bunch of software that translates, a bunch of software that manages the workflow. And, and so they want it all to be seamless and they want it all to work together. And so a lot of these collaborations are about making sure that the customer experience is the best it could be. Mm-hmm. Well, um, kind of to finish this conversation up, which has been great so far and uh, clarifying to say the least, uh, are, are you working on anything interesting right now? I know you can probably not name any names. I just, uh, you know. Like I am. To- I mean, I, I think we right now have a unbelievable group of companies that we're selling. They're all super unique. A couple of them are going to bring huge value to the buyers. Um, I really can't talk a lot about it as, as sure. you know, unfortunately, we run the M&A business in a confidential manner. I mean, these kinds of transactions are are very confidential to the companies and the terms and conditions and everything. And we're very careful about that. but. I'm enjoying working in the life sciences space. I'm enjoying working in the healthcare space. We have a bunch of technology companies that we're selling. Doing document level MT is really interesting. Using MT for subtitling and dubbing and a lot of the new media stuff. We're involved in a lot of that right now. So those things I find very exciting and I like talking about them and I like making introductions and, um, you know, it really drives this thing forward. And So can any LSP just knock on your door pretty much if they're interested in selling or also interested yeah, in buying or even outside of the uh, the language services space or well, what, what are your limitations? Well, we don't really have any limitations. Um, mm-hmm. NIMSY does most of its work in the language services space. We're expanding into other spaces as well. We certainly would do M&A, but we do bring a strength for LSPs and, and, and language technology companies in the space because we know so many. And actually, some of our bigger right. success stories have been where companies that have been for sale for a long time, maybe a year or a year and a half, but being sold by people outside the industry, you know, weren't finding a lot of traction. And we started working with some of those and brought the right players to the table right away. And, you know, this is a, you know, we're brokers, we're matchmakers. That's what we do. And knowing everyone in the industry is good. People have to remember that half of our customers are LSPs. Half of our customers are enterprise buyers. We talk to PE firms all the time. We talk to investors. And yeah, I'll talk to anybody about buying and selling. And that's what we do. Okay. Well, people will know where to find you. They can just uh, check out the notes to this episode. And uh, I wish you good luck with the matchmaking this year. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here. All right. Thank you very much. That was Jonathan Otis, the Director of Mergers and Acquisitions and Growth Strategy at NIMSY, talking about the very busy first quarter of 2022. Thank you for listening to Localization Today. To subscribe to Multilingual Magazine, 
go to multilingual.com slash subscribe.